And we are live. Hello, good afternoon to everybody listening. Welcome to this week's Billy Live Friday. My name is Sydney Robolata. I'm the co-founder of Body I Love You, which of course is the course and community that literally teaches self-love. Today, I am joined by a fellow life coach who is actually new in my life, but I could instantly tell when I met her that she brings so much light and wisdom to the people that she gets to serve. I have uh, Beth Harding with me here today. And uh, before we even get into the topic, Beth, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. I, I love the work that you're doing. So I'm happy to just be here and shed some light on maybe some new things. Um, but yeah, my name is Beth Harding. I'm a life coach. Before I was a life coach, I was actually a children's pastor for 10 years. I was a missionary for two and a half years. And I have since kind of left my religious upbringing and I'm in a new space of it's a different space it's a, it's still a spiritual space but you know to change so that's where I'm at absolutely I am so excited to have you here first of all before I even dive in I don't know why I feel called to ask this what got you into coaching oh that's a great question um I actually found coaching when I was going through what I would consider like a faith, it felt like a faith crisis. Um, as I've mentioned to you, I don't necessarily consider it a faith crisis. It was definitely a faith deepening, but I was in a dark place, a really dark place and I needed help. And I heard of, I've heard someone, you know, I've heard the word life coach, but I didn't know exactly what it was, had no meaning. So I started <laughs> Googling and investigating. And that was, let's see, that was about five years ago now. Wow. And I started listening to life coaches talk. Then I got into a, my own life coaching program. It totally rocked my world. And I was like, I want to do this. This is amazing. Where has this been? And went and got certified and now I'm a life coach. Woo. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I actually met Beth because we have the same life yeah, coach. We do. And, um, and I, I saw you on a call speaking to your relationship with your yeah. religion and um, what it looks like to revamp that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I instantly reached out because, and this is interesting. I didn't grow up religious yeah. at all. Right. I had a lot of friends who grew up religious and I just for the sake of like wanting to hang out with them longer <laughs> and be like, I'll go to church with you, you know, just little yeah. things like that. Of course. So what I've learned in rolling out body, I love you and coaching within these groups is that there are a lot of women who are doing a lot of healing around their relationship with their bodies, period. But we're also talking about uh, confidence and like relationship with sex and intimacy too. Like there's so many layers here and they're healing this relationship and unlearning a lot of uh, essentially religious beliefs that had them feeling disempowered about their relationship to their bodies. Right. So I was so eager to reach out to you and just kind of pick your brain. And you and I had such a lovely conversation and I'm so excited to to have you on this episode here today 
as today we are going to be discussing religion and the body, the impact that certain so religious good. beliefs have on our relationship to our our body. Oh, for sure. Big time. So, yeah. so but the, my, my first question is, again, I, I even got a question a couple of days ago when I kind of announced that this was going to be the topic of like, hold on, what religion trains you to hate your body? And first of all, that's such a subjective, yeah. everybody's so different in their interpretations and their teaching. Yeah. All religions are, are very, very different. What, I know that you said you're raised in a, a extremely religious household. What religion was that? So it's, it's hard to say, like, if I say the word Christian, that's so broad, because I've never met two Christians who who believe this exact same things. So but it was a very, I mean, I'm, I'm from the South, you can tell from my accent, like I have the twang, like, think deep, deep South, conservative Christianity. So I mean, is that fair to say? Can I say that? <laughs> you can say literally whatever you want. You can speak okay. your truth. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it was it, what I gathered from your yeah. experience and sharing that with me is there were high, high expectations of you within that religion growing up. Totally. So I have a unique situation in that I come from a line of pastors. Like, I don't know how far back down the line it goes, but it goes, you know, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my, you know, like my brothers are both pastors. We come from a very religious upbringing and family. And so the idea of doing anything outside of ministry as a kid, like growing up, that was so foreign to me. Like I knew there were people who could be doctors or be teachers or be my world was so small that it was like, but that wasn't an option for me. Mm. As crazy as that might sound, um, it was kind of like we were so devoted that it was like, why would you choose something other than what we like at the time? It's like, this is the truth. The only truth. This is the way. So you go all in. That was kind yeah. of idea. Yeah. Yeah. Going all in. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to say it, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I bet. And before we dive into, you know, the nitty gritty of this conversation, something Beth, that you and I were just saying is the, the point of this conversation is not at all to deter people from being religiously connected or spiritually connected in any way. We're not picking on any single religion. I know that a lot of people resonate right. with Christianity and that that means a lot to them. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I would, I just want to say like, I am not regretful of even my upbringing. Like it laid the foundation for who I am today. So of course we're, I know we're going to unpack some of the unlearning that has happened, but the deeper truths are, are within me. Like there's certain things that I've made my own and I hold on to that are so important to me. And that's what I would encourage everybody to do with whatever religion they are in or not in, it doesn't matter. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think so much of this too, what I've actually found really beautiful is when I do speak to ladies or coach ladies around unlearning beliefs that they were taught through a religious lens about their bodies. And it's never like, I mean, it's seldom like, uh, fuck religion. I, I never wanted to, you know, believe in anything like that. Again, it's so much of it is I, I want, I really want to revamp this relationship so that it totally feels right within me versus something like teaching or learning somebody else's interpretation of what this is supposed to look like. So this conversation is just an opportunity to do that. If you resonate with this conversation, hell yes. Amazing. Welcome. And if you don't, that's totally fine. This conversation does not need to be for you. Right. I agree. Cool. So Beth, let's just get into it. When it, when it came to what you were trained to believe about your body growing up, what, what did you learn? So, and it's like, you can't pinpoint an exact age when this happens, but it was always, I kind of feel like the message and it's very discreet. Like when you're born into a very, I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of environment you're born into. It's just normal. It's just the, what is every day. So you don't know any different. I think as a child, you just take in what you're learning, but simply the message was like, I learned very early that my body is a very shameful thing. Um, there was very much like our bodies are kind of sinful and considered like the flesh and that's considered a part, like we want to be spiritual. Like we, there's this desire to like spiritually be, to bypass even some of the bodily needs or just anything about the body is just very like the body isn't considered sacred or it's kind of just one of those things you deal with almost Mm, yeah um so shame was brought on very early um nakedness was always like such a shameful thing desire sexual desire was a shameful thing I don't know women it's I mean I'm sure men too but especially in the women community um like body I love you was nobody was thinking that (laughs) right like our bodies were not something to be loved they were something that you kind of were very and and it is tied into the whole purity culture sadly I think around women too that it was more of like it's just this object it's not it's not any I don't Does that make any sense at all? What I'm saying as somebody who hasn't experienced that to a degree, absolutely. (laughs) I totally, yeah, I can totally see. And I think it's so important what you said too, Beth, around it being so discreet because the words that were like to be trained that your body is shameful is quite the statement, right? And it's, it's not even necessarily like somebody was screaming to your face, your body is absolutely shameful or to be ashamed of it's right it's discreet slow and steady teachings over time which I think a lot of people will relate to for sure I remember as a kid like just as like a tiny example like one of the lines and the hymns that I would sing is like a wretched it would talked about a wretched worm is I and I internalized that of like who I am 
as a person, as a human is bad, is wrong, is sinful, is gross, is <laughs> terrible. That was kind of, and I kind of held on to that. So that was, absolutely. The, yeah, that was the messaging. Yeah. And Beth, you have brothers and no sisters. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. I'm the baby, girl. <laughs> the baby girl. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Did you notice different teachings or expectations you versus your brothers? Oh, totally. The expectations were very different. The boys, and it goes back to a lot of, if people are familiar with purity culture, it definitely ties into that where boys will be boys and girls, their standard, <laughs> we were responsible for all of the boys' thoughts. That's the messaging. And I know that is since changing, hopefully, <laughs> but it's a slow trickle. Um, but that was very much the messaging. So what you wore was very important. You're having like any using your body in a way that could possibly bring up desire in a man was totally like your responsibility. If you were a woman, just, I mean, now at the time it's like, wow, it's crazy, but that was totally normal. So like at summer camps, the boys could wear swim shorts, but of course the girls, we had to wear one piece and like a shirt on top and to be covered if we were going to play in the pool, which it's, you know, hundred degrees outside, of course, you're going to play in the pool. Um, but just little things like that, like, so, and it goes unquestioned. It's just, everybody's in agree, like agreeing. So it's just totally what's normal and you feel icky, but you, you're just, you don't know any different. Right. Right. Uh, how did that, how did that show up in like your adult life? <laughs> it makes things difficult. It makes things very difficult. It um it makes you actually afraid of other women, sadly, because suddenly you're not only having to worry about your own body, you're like looking at other women in a very judgmental, shaming way because where we're if if you've been taught that you're responsible for men's thoughts then you when you see a woman who's free sexually or like not afraid of her body it can feel so triggering mm. and so so that judgment can come out and be very it can feel very real sadly but until you even realize the cycle of what's happening you just notice that trigger without and the desire to shame or criticize other like women, it's really disheartening. And I see that a lot that still happens. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's a lot of where that comes from. So yeah. I literally just, when you said that, I don't know if my microphones, I like <laughs> touched my heart cause I could feel it breaking <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So many things click when you say that, right? Like if ever we have judgment towards somebody else for being themselves or for being free or whatever, it's a dead giveaway that, that that's internalized shame, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. We definitely project onto others. And so I, I saw that very clearly, like in my community growing up, 
that was definitely, so you stay in your community. You have to create these safe places and then everything else becomes other. It's a very like, which can be so dangerous. It's so really disheartening, but yeah. It's so interesting too, to hear you talk about how like women are responsible for everything. I mean, like, you know, like (laughs) men's, men's desires and things like that. Cause again, right. Their thoughts. Because again, somebody who wasn't brought up in, in a religious household, even so I noticed those same trainings and those same patterns in like the school system. I remember one time in high school, I got written up for wearing a a tube top, which, you know, I'm, I'm legally a child and nobody should be sexualizing me anyway, but like I was punished for that. Like I was, I needed to change. I was the problem versus exactly leave this girl alone. She's trying to do her studies, you know, 100%. It, it totally shows up even in places that aren't overtly religious. I would say those same patterns definitely, definitely come through. Oh, 100% they do. Yeah. Something that comes up so frequently, this conversation really kind of comes to the surface. I think when we begin to talk about sex and intimacy, because it's not even, it's not even, let's even take it before sex is even in the picture. Let's talk about a woman's sexuality and her naked body, even just when she's in a room, in a room alone by herself, you know? Right. Yeah. How did you view yourself through that lens? Goodness. I mean, what a journey that has been. Um, So I would have to say like as a teenager, like growing up, very disconnected, just, and very having any desire, like sexual desire, especially as, as a teenager, when you're going through hormones, like the desire was there, but the shame was so, so large, so overwhelming that you the internal dialogue just gets amplified of like that you're you're gross you're bad you're wrong for even wanting sex um is that kind of like I mean that's where it started so then going you know further into college I am married to have an awesome husband who who grew up in the same like he had the same. He was a pastor at one point too. So we've gone through major changes together, but yeah, I was very disconnected from my body and, and even like exploring my body or knowing felt wrong. Like that was considered sinful. So it's so challenging. <laughs> it's such a challenging uh, world to live in an environment when you're also like young and trying to learn and understand and know things. So you have this biology, but then these rules that kind of go against the biology, if that makes sense. So it's very challenging. I feel like. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I remember being a teenager and when those hormones are coming in like full fledged, it's, it's, it's out of your <laughs> say, you know what I mean? Like it's out of your control. It's, it's very, it's extremely bodily. Yeah. And I can't imagine living with a brain that was taught to believe that that is inherently shameful. Oh, totally. Yeah. You have these cycles of 
or even like touching yourself or masturbation is totally wrong. Like you go to Sunday night youth group and we talk about how sinful and how wrong this is. So even the idea of like exploring your body or knowing your body was considered a problem. So it always felt dangerous and scary. And you're like, oh gosh, it's like, what's wrong with me? Why, you know, like, why do I even desire? Right. Right. It makes you question just your whole self. Yeah. Makes you, makes you believe that you're inherently sinful for being a human, which is an impossible game. Right. It really is. It's an impossible game and it creates a culture of having to hide. Yeah. a culture of even more separation from yourself and keeping that hidden from others. And there's, it's a, can be a very dangerous like environment to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. And our brains are so talented truly in gathering evidence to prove anything to be true. And when those beliefs are so deeply rooted Something that I've heard a lot is people are very easily able to gather evidence as to like why they're being punished for having a desire or just being a human being. Oh my gosh. Yes. Very much so. I mean, I could, that could be a topic in and of itself. (laughs) That could be a podcast all on its own. Yeah. Um, But 100% happen and yeah. What would you say to somebody who is still struggling with that piece? Oh, with feeling like they're being punished. Yeah. Goodness. Oh, my heart. Like first, it's just so heartbreaking. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, I think it, it, for myself, um, it got to a place of just being willing to even question like do like because I have children and it's like do I would especially if you're in the religious context like if God made me does he really the hatred towards even just my body like is this truly like what my heart like what my whole soul and being believes and is there any room for me to even question that And so I think it has to start with just being willing to have a little bit of an openness. Mm -hmm. And if there's, yeah, just even a conversation, if you're not ready to have that conversation, maybe with a coach or someone, but at least with yourself, being able just to explore that maybe that's not true, even though it might, it can feel like truth just because we've believed something for so long, but right. I love that you brought your kids into that conversation because I think that that's so relevant. We just inherently, I don't know if it's inherently, from from our training, believe that we are bad or wrong, whether we're talking about being in a religious upbringing or otherwise. For sure. I think it's such a perspective shifter and a mind opener when you look at it through the lens of somebody who you love unconditionally of like, well, do I believe if my children or my friend or my spouse had these feelings, would I think that they should be punished or that they're bad or wrong? Oh my God. No, of course not. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, the first like self-help book I ever read was by Louise Hay and she had a little 
part in this book, I think it was called, um, you can heal your life. Um, it changed my life and that she had, it was so small in the book, but it was just like, oh my gosh, because she said, is God, do you really think God is, you know, looking down below and just staring at everyone's genitals and, you know, just waiting for them to do something with their genitals. And I just had this moment of like, oh, oh, I don't, I don't, I really didn't believe it. Like there was this part of me that was like, no, that seems a little off to me that that's what God would spend his day doing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> totally. 100%. Yeah. Let's talk genitals, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I am. That's, that's something that comes up a lot okay. is women believing yeah. that they're like gross, that their genitals are Right. And that's interesting too, because I was not trained that through a religious lens, but same, like I think about going to school and I think about like the, the nasty rumors that would go around about girls. It was always like her vagina looked weird or smelled weird or whatever. And it really just trained us to be so terrified that we were gross as well. And I know that that's something that was kind of subtly in your teachings too. Oh, for sure. When I think it's all tied in with just, especially like we couldn't even say genitals or let alone like vagina, penis, like any of that was totally like, you don't even say those words. It's just private parts, you know? And so from a very early age, the private parts are just already bad. So I can see how especially women, like when you start to untangle this work, if you have, if, if you've had that kind of upbringing in any kind of religion, or it may not have been even religious, but even parents who just viewed things a certain way, it can be really challenging to be like, oh, wait, like my, my body's okay. Like my private parts aren't a problem can really mess with your mind because you've been taught your whole life that they are. So. Well, and I think of the mind fuck that it is, this has come up in a group before too, of somebody saying like, okay, so I've been trained that my, my private parts exactly are shameful that, you know, I, I shouldn't explore that or know anything about that, but guess what? The second I get married now, I'm supposed to be this. Turn it on sex machine. Yes. Totally. And I, I can't imagine what a mind fuck that would be. Yeah. I feel like we just <laughs> creating trauma. We're just traumatizing, you know, <laughs> like totally. And the lack of just even the communication, at least for me was so, I mean, there was no communication about it. Like, except for you shouldn't have sex. Sex is wrong. Sex is bad. So like, that's as deep as it goes. And then all of a sudden you're expected to get married and now sex is supposed to be great and wonderful. Oh dear goodness. What? Yeah. So many problems for, and that I know so many couples, like it's, it's an issue I think for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I totally bet because it's, I feel like through that, you kind of don't even know what questions to ask. You know what I mean? Like you don't even know what it would look like to explore that because you've just been trained your entire life that that's a, that's a no, no. 
Right. And then there's just so much condemnation, you know, like, so if people have explored themselves sexually, like there's just this inner where you feel like you've done something so wrong. Like there's just no openness. It's just, oof. Yeah. Uh, I was, I feel like I talk about this all the time in my coaching. I believe it's on Netflix. Beth, have you heard of this? It's called The Principles of Pleasure. It's like a three-part series. No, I'll have to look it up. Uh-uh. Watch it. <laughs> it's like the, so it's, it's the, it's, it's the information that we all need. It's the oh. information that it, it wildly changed. I watched it at 30 years old and right. I learned things about my body that even today, like I, I even <laughs> that I, I didn't know or realize in just the way that they showed it. Nice. Yeah. But one of the pieces that was uh, really made my blood boil is they kind of went into the history of the language and the verbiage yeah. um, that we use around women's. Par- so first of all, our, what we refer to as our vagina, everything on the outside is actually called a vulva. I know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So and true. it's so funny because I just maybe like two, three years ago started feeling comfortable and confident saying the word vulva. It felt like yes. intimate or like really wrong or right. Yeah. Something it, it felt-, felt aggressive. <laughs> but then I was thinking like, what if we were just walking around calling a penis a scrotum for the last century? Yeah. That'd be weird. And we would correct that, you know, 100%. Yeah. And they were kind of going into like all the, all the roots of, of these words, uh, you know, they go into hysteria, hysterectomy, like how they literally used to view the uterus. I think this, please don't quote me on this and just go back and watch it. But they, there used to be this belief that the uterus would just travel around the body, just like causing wreaking havoc it was like this problematic thing in your body that like was just inherently bad. Wow. And I think it's pretty safe to say that that came from religious beliefs. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure we could trace it back. That is so interesting and wild. So wild. And I, sorry, there's so much to this conversation. I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm yeah. trying to like condense all my questions into something that, you know, can be within this hour. Like I know women who, first of all, I know women who have never experienced an orgasm because that's been inherently shameful to like explore that. I've also met women who there's been this really beautiful way of, I've been attracting a number of these clients into my sphere, which has been so fun, but it's like, I've, I know how to have an orgasm with my husband. I've never even thought about trying to have one alone. And then there's this kind of like a, oh my God, should I try? And it's like this really crazy, (laughs) yeah, it's like, it's like this. And these women are in their thirties, forties, fifties, and like just thinking about this for the first time. Right. Yeah. It's. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) <laughs> no, I was just going to say, what would your bit of advice be to those ladies? Go for it, right? Oh, totally. Go for it. But I think it's interesting. What's the fear of, of testing it out? Does it tie into like, that's wrong or that's, why is it okay? Like, what's the holdup? And just knowing what comes up and not judging it, just being curious. I think we have to start with just a real curious mind about all of it because it is triggering and it is like 
our body. And so it can bring up so many deep beliefs that we may not even realize we have. Right. Yeah. And something that does come up when we do kind of explore that is the idea that sex within a marriage, Mm -hmm. that this term comes up a lot, wifely duties. Oh yeah. That's, that comes from religion. Right. (laughs) So it's this belief that like, yeah, sex is for men and it's your duty, whether or not you're like in the mood for that to create that for your spouse. And I think about how dangerous that is. Yeah. Can we, that's one of those things, like even hearing it, it's like, ouch, ouch, that hurts. You know what I mean? Like that is totally, and it comes, yeah, like I've been told this teaching, so I know it well, but it is this idea of, yeah, your body's not your body. It belongs to your husband. And, and we can interpret things in so many different ways. So I'm not saying exactly. some, you know what I'm like, I'm not trying to throw shade at every thing that's out there, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it, that's one you want to question is, and I, I feel like it takes away the mutual just respect and love that can't, that's available to couples. I mean, that's something I think couples will have to really dive into two together, mm. but as women, first of all, are we not allowed to just have pleasure for like, for the sake of uh, for no reason, just for the sake of pleasure. Um, I mean, it, it opens a lot of doors here, I know, but, and then is, is our pleasure meant to not be, or is our pleasure not even allowed? Like we're here strictly for men's pleasure. Like that, I, I, that's just a no for me. <laughs> I can't, I'm like, no, we, we, we got it. We can, we can do different. Let's, let's think a little. <laughs> right. If you're inviting me to your party, I'm happy to RSVP accordingly, but like I have a party too, <laughs> you know? Right. My party's just as important. <laughs> like what? Yeah. This is this is a new thought and I literally can't believe that it's new, but it's been rocking my world for the past like several months if I'm honest. Yeah. I'm obsessed with female orgasms. <laughs> and I think it's because I didn't start having them until later in life. And so much of it was education for me. Um, I just, I didn't have the education that I needed. I had a bunch of education that other people thought that I needed, but there were so many missing pieces for me that I didn't learn until later in life. And here's what I've discovered. So Mm -hmm. female orgasms are just because it's pure pleasure. It is pure pleasure penetration doesn't even need to be involved in any way shape or form it's something that can totally exist like outside of our bodies you know what I mean right there's there's no objective to it other than pure pleasure which is the coolest thing on the planet I think it is if oh um yeah let's just say it is (laughs) (laughs) And then I was thinking, and this is no shade to men. This is just an observation of, of the the facts before me. When men ejaculate, it's aggressive finger quotes for procreation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yet women are condemned to like pleasures, not for you. Like 
procreation is 100% your responsibility. And it's, I think that that's a tremendous disservice and injustice between the sexes when it comes to the pleasure conversation. Yes. <laughs> and this, I do think so much of this ties back to, to religion and men ultimately wanting control and being freaking afraid. That's what I'm saying, dude. Of the powerful force that is a woman. I couldn't agree with you more. And that actually leads me to something else that I'm curious about. So to say for the 75th time, I was not raised in a religious household. In preparation of this, I actually just pure curiosity um, was looking to, I've never like read the Bible or anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just looking to um, different trainings and again so much of this is up to interpretation each each family each religion each generation interprets this stuff differently of course um but something that I noticed that I didn't know was like actually in the bible like women are supposed to have long hair is that is that real did I make that up did I see that on like a website no there's definitely yeah verses of women should have long hair yeah I mean Okay, go ahead. Where are you going? <laughs> I just, I think, I think what I'm curious about is yeah. the trained masculinity versus femininity and how men are masculine and women are feminine. And there's no dance between the two or middle ground or anything. Oh, it's caused so many problems. And sadly, I feel like the gender fluid and transgender people are having to pioneer their way through this. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for people doing that work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's so much because of those two roles and expectations that I think that has played. I mean, this is, I saw like on Instagram, I don't know if it's like, was one of those memes or whatever, but it even mentioned how the whole like missionary position came fr- about because <laughs> you're like bracing yourself (laughs) because the idea of a woman being on top was it meant that you weren't masculine and didn't couldn't have control and I'm sure there's probably other meanings but it was very much like the missionary position was the only in the like Puritan culture that was the only position that was even allowed because otherwise you're stepping in on men's masculinity and that's a big no-no. Oh man, y'all yeah. are missing out, right? <laughs> that is for right. sure. And another thing that I think of too is like those beliefs fuck over men so hard as well. Oh, totally. I think totally. we actually don't talk about that. Like I, of course I can sit here as a woman yeah. knowing that my femininity is so great and powerful and I fucking love it. And also knowing that I do have a masculine energy and a masculine presence that does right by me as well. And that leaning into it creates really fucking cool things. So you better believe that the men in my life, I I think that that's an issue, believing that like masculinity is for men and femininity is for women. When in actuality, we all have all of it to a different degree. Right. And I think when men are viewed as masculine, it essentially in so many ways rids them of their humanity and their ability to like be feeling, feeling humans. Right. right. Uh-huh. 
And how many issues has that created, right? Men not getting the help that they need or being able to talk about anything or to get emotional. I've heard so many people through a religious lens saying like, we need our men to be men. And it's like, if, if a man is sad or traumatized or experiencing grief, that does not make him any less of a man that makes him human and rather stuffing all of that stuff down actually rids him of his actual humanity and human experience. It does. And it's so sad. And then the women are told to not have an opinion and to, you know, to totally be quiet and submissive and obedient. And it creates, oh, there's just, it can create a lot of problems. This is potentially dangerous. The internet is a crazy place. There's so much information going around. Some of it totally true. Some of it absolutely off the walls not. Yeah. Um, so take this for what it's worth. I think I saw this in a TikTok, but it was like this. <laughs> it's it <was> true. This, <laughs> so this is 100% accurate is what I'm yeah. trying to say. No, it was, the, it was this girl, like just living a fucking life, like just living such a beautiful life. It was like all these clips of her doing all these different things and being like read over it was, it was my understanding that it was a, a Bible verse that when a woman is like, left alone with her passions and she's Mm. not married or a mother in a relationship that that is dangerous can you tell me a bit more about that but first of all is that true second of all how how does that play out oh my goodness um that's another one of those things that it's like I'm I'm going back like I'm having to go back to the old me yeah old filing cabinets yeah right and that is, it's definitely ingrained in there for sure. Like there's just certain gender roles that I think are expected on both ends. And so I I know for me, it's been so freeing just to unlearn all of those roles and to, if you're a woman to say like, oh, what, how, like to be curious about your masculinity and to begin exploring that if you're a man to be curious about why you can't have any like feminine qualities why you can't have emotion like to start exploring that but no I feel like those roles are are pretty strong in the religious context and then I know in certain religions more so than others but yeah, there's just a place for women. Like even for myself, I granted there are women pastors and like my church had a, eventually had a woman's pastor, but only for the women. For Mm. myself, like I was a children's pastor because that was the option. That was what's available. Got it. And so even the idea, like women can't be in charge over men like it's so even your leadership role sounds secondary oh totally it is secondary I would say without a doubt it's secondary and there's going to be way more men who who are the real leaders of the church like if you want to speak to a leader you go to it's all men (laughs) and then like if there's a woman in need at the church which the majority of the people are the women 
I mean, sadly, they got, back then they got sent to me. <laughs> sadly. <laughs> no. Like, no. I'm and sure you were a blessing to them. I, oh, oh, I love them so much. And I think that's what led me even to life coaching because I had a different lens even back then to a lot of things, but, you know, there was no training. There was no you know, they were kind of like, there was no training. There was no training. No, like you're just thrown in and figuring it out. That sounds dangerous. That sounds, sounds, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So uh, you just alluded to something I think ultimately we're all super curious about, which is, and again, to reiterate it, what you've shared with me before is that your relationship with your spirituality is totally deepened and revamped. Again, this is not about throwing all of these beliefs out the window. I think what I'm mostly curious about is how, this is a big question in the 11th hour, how were you able to unlearn all of these disempowering beliefs about your body and your sexuality that didn't serve you? And I know you well enough to know that you really love your body now. Oh, yes. How the hell were you able to get there? Yeah, um, I came and from a very dark place. Like I started at a, I was at a breaking point and where literally I remember writing in my journal and I was like, I was venting, you know, so I'm just writing all the things out in my journal. And I realized what I was like, what's the overarching like message that I feel like is ingrained inside of me. And I literally wrote down like die, Beth die. And I felt like, I, and that's me writing it down and seeing it was like, oh my gosh, because it felt like nobody in my life. I know the people in that community, I love them. And the people in my life, like they don't even know what they were saying, but their message in my brain that was for me to die. Like it was, I'm a problem. My body's a problem. Who I am is evil and wrong and death will solve it. It was kind of like, then I can finally be free and good and made right again. And I just had a breaking point where I said, can this even be true? Is this what I'm living for? Like, is this the truth? And it allowed me, it gave me permission where I was, and I even was like, God, I'm questioning everything. (laughs) Like, I want to break this down. Like, I want to know, is everything about me wrong? And is this how I want? Because I did have children at the time. It's like, is this what I'm passing down? Is this the legacy I want to, I want to pass down and continue? And it was a, I knew in that moment, it was just a no, like something's got to change. And so I was, it really came from desperation and that self-help book really did help me. And yeah. it was at a time where self-help was considered wrong too. Like yeah. we're not supposed to get help ourselves. Like we're not supposed to trust ourselves. It was all put on the external idea of God rather than any internal idea of God. And yeah. that was the shift for me where I was like, I'm going to stop listening to everyone else's idea of God and start going in into what, what's true for me. What's, wow. what, and I, I started with simple techniques of looking in the mirror and noticing 
what came up when I would look in the mirror and notice, I mean, the criticism, it was just instant. Whenever I would pass a mirror, there was never a kind word in my mind. It was uh-huh. all super negative. And Louise Hay asked like one of her little, um, you know, things she offered was to sit in front of a mirror and stay there until you can say you love yourself, like look deeply into your eyes and, and mean it. And I remember looking deeply into my eyes and it feeling so weird and so foreign. Right. I was like, I can do this. Like, this is like, I'm going to stay here until I can do this. And it was a huge, I, I don't know how long I stayed. It, it took a while, but I remember breaking down and finally my eyes saw me and it was a very, like, there was so much compassion there. And I think it was a a moment that it gave space for my, my mind to stop believing all of the old messaging and to start realizing like, oh, maybe this can switch. Maybe I I can change what I'm believing here. Mm. And because this felt so much more true, I felt even though it was hard and weird, it was like, I could breathe for a second. And so, yeah, that's when I was everything started changing after that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hear so much intentionality in that. Like this isn't something that like, if you don't look at it for a while, it will like slowly, but surely turn. It it sounds like you were incredibly Mm -hmm. intentional and consistent with actively retraining your brain. And I still do. So it's like my body is constantly changing. And so, and I've, and I also am very hyper aware of when I maybe critique another person. So if I'm like, mm, oh, huge. like the most recent one has been like just aging and like wrinkles and stuff. And my brain's like, Oh, like we need to fix that. We need to do something about that. And I'm just like, hold on. Like that's, that's not like, I mean, there's nothing wrong if for anybody who wants to do whatever the things they want to do, like I'm, it's not a, I'm against that. I'm just saying like, hold on. Like, is it wrong for me to age? Like, is, when did this become a problem? Like, and just, so it's, it's not like a one and done. It's a, it's an everyday. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I let what comes up. If a criticism's there, I just notice it. I witness it. And then I speak truth back to me, <laughs> or at least the truth that I want to believe now, the truth that, I mean, for me, it, I do believe it. I may not have yeah. always believed it. So it maybe took time, but yeah, for Absolutely. sure. I'm so grateful that you shared your process with us and especially putting a highlight on the fact that it is a process. So yeah. often I'll hear, you know, we'll be having this conversation about loving your body and somebody will just say something offhand of like, no, I love my body. I think my boobs are super cute and they're great. And I'm like, hey, so absolutely love that for you. And- yeah, your boobs are definitely going to change for sure. For sure. So like, Oh, totally. Is, yeah. is your love for your body contingent upon your cute boobs <laughs> or like, is, you know, right. when those are off the table, what's left. And I think that that's such an important piece of this conversation. Yeah. And women's bodies, we go through so many changes, especially child. If you have a kid, like I know people struggle with how the body changes after that. I mean, I've had five kids. So even after one kid, it looks different than it did after five. Like things shift. And so 
I know for me, I remember at one point even writing a letter to my body because I, I've always noticed my body. It's before I even got to body. I love you. I realized my body always said it's message always to me was like, Beth, I love you. Like all I'm doing is carrying you through every experience. Like I realized my body had so much love for me. So, and I've spent, and even with me hating it. So how could I continue just punching something in the face that has always been like, I just love you. (laughs) That is so beautiful and perfect. I love that you just said that that's something that you did. That's actually one of the first activities that we do in my program. We write a, we write a letter to our bodies and then, and Beth, try this on for size. It's something that I do all the time because at the end of the day, it really is just an incredible way to actually communicate with your body. Right. Afterwards, this is a hot insider body. I love you tip, everyone. Yes. Afterwards, we actually have your body write a letter back to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So okay. I'm going to do this because I've done it in my head, but writing it, I know it's so powerful. Oh, it just, it feels so good just thinking about it. 100%. <laughs> and that's it. First of all, there's no right or yeah. wrong way. There's no, no. Like, example that we're looking for but exactly like you just said it I can tell that you've already done it in your head because you're like my body loves the shit out of me you know like even after all of this and that that usually is how that goes the body's just like I just love you and I just want the best for you and you know that's (laughs) that's that's usually how that conversation goes which I think is so important to to recognize for sure oh there's a somebody blowing leaves right out of my window. I apologize for that. Um, but thank you so, 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 so much for your just vulnerability and your openness and sharing your light with us here today. Do you have any parting wisdom or advice from somebody who is revamping their relationship to their spirituality and, or their body? For sure. I would say like, it's okay. Once you start kind of diving into this work, especially if it's connected to your religion to first of all, like let it be a process. Don't, I think sometimes it's so scary because we're like, oh my gosh, you dive in and it feels, it really does feel like a crisis when you start pulling apart some of these thoughts and just allowing yourself the permission to create a faith of your own, if that's what you desire to do, to allow yourself that you don't have to hate your body anymore, that you can genuinely create, like if that's what the religion message has given you, that you can create your own path and just see how the the difference and, and what happens when, when you decide to love your body versus maybe some of the old messaging what that creates for your own personal life because before I found the old messaging like if it gave me some sort of like wisdom or helped my life in some way like surely I would have found it like we should have been experiencing that by now but it didn't so being just open enough to say like I'm going to explore this avenue I'm going to explore being willing to just question like I, even as a woman tied in with pleasure and desire and like being willing to open and just see what's there, not being afraid, not being afraid to, to just question. 
being curious. So powerful. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to hear that and, and take something from that. Absolutely. Beth, finally, who do you feel really, really, really excited to work with these days? Oh, really? Like truthfully, I feel like, um, it's a lot of people who actually, I think the people who have been drawn into me the most are people who maybe do have religious or spiritual beliefs, but they're stuck. They're stuck in their views with, with God, with, and just in life in general, it ties into everything. Um, and so I really, a lot of, um, ironically, like that haven't, <laughs> the people who happen to be coming to me are a lot of people in this community who have been considered, you know, the black sheep of the community who have been considered the people who are just not quite fitting in and they're looking for help and they're looking for how to, you know, stand in what feels true to them, even though it's not quite working in this community but yeah I would say those are kind of who have been working with us of late <laughs> beautiful beautiful where can people find you yeah so you can go to my website bethhardingcoach.com or you can find me on ig at life coach with beth on facebook or instagram I'm in both beautiful I, I think you cut out for one second would you mind oh, just repeating your website yeah. Oh, bethhardingcoach.com. So all one word. Yeah. Cool. Groovy. Thank you. Thank you again so much. I know that so many people are going to really resonate with this message and be so grateful that you felt brave and safe enough to share your experience. You don't know what it means. Well, thank you so much for having me and for the work you're putting out into the world. So thank you so much. Thank you, Beth. Have a beautiful rest of your day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next time. Great. Bye. Bye.